Raiders are already talking about selling high on Urban Santana. No respect for no. Urban Santana. None at all. Well, gee, you gave it away. Yeah, I did. Well, a lot of trade talk today. We'll see if we can grade some trades. If we don't get to grade the trade today, we will get to that tomorrow. Welcome to the show. I just have to say something before we really get started here. I just have to get this off my chest. Here we go. Matt Harvey, Matt Harvey, Matt Harvey, Matt Harvey, Matt Harvey. Okay, we talked about Matt Harvey. There we go. So buy low on Matt Harvey. <laughs> yeah. That Chris? was Scott, by the way. Someone said they can't tell us apart, so I'm just going to start speaking for Scott. Chris was just spewing Matt Harvey hate. Pure, unadulterated Matt Harvey hate last night on Twitter. Uh, so no. angry. No. I missed it's it. It's not hate. I missed it. It's a fair accounting of the facts. Matt Harvey was dreadful last night. That would be the fact. He's a bad pitcher right now. Right, I'm glad you said right now. We'll talk about Matt Harvey a little bit later. But but how droppable is Matt Harvey? Let's just say that. Uh, you know what? Believe it or not, I I have dropped him in a league, and he, and he hasn't gotten picked up. Obviously, context is everything. This is a daily lineup league with particularly small benches, I feel like. So everybody on your roster... uh you're using basically mm-hmm. and i don't feel like matt harvey is particularly usable right now although i did start him for the two start week and uh you gotta win and yeah yeah i mean it hasn't gone poorly so far mm-hmm. uh, he, even though he's, he, he, he is lucky the Mets scored seven runs in the first inning i mean he only gave up what two three two yeah yeah he, he, so, I mean, he, he prevented runs. He didn't allow a home run, which is something he's been doing <laughs> he a lot. so badly. God, he was terrible yesterday. And then he <laughs> struck out the side in the fifth. But anyway, more on that. More on that later. Uh, we'll bring it from Matt Harvey to under-owned players. So we're going to start with, I'm going to give you a list of players that might be under-owned. You tell me. And we'll talk about Johnny Cueto and his blister situation. We'll talk about double dongs. We'll talk about a three-steal night. Um, we got some buy lows and sell highs. I want to do some more rest of season rankings. I thought that was fun yesterday. I'm going to put fooled you on the shelf for a little while, but it'll make its return at some point. Um, Joe Ross is 51% owned. I think he was 41% owned when we talked yesterday. He threw eight innings of one run ball against the Mariners. And at 51% is Joe Ross under owned. Yeah. I'm surprised it only went up that much. I mean, this was as one of the better starts we saw last night from a player who uh, was sent down to tweak his mechanics. And even when he was bad early on between his three starts, he had a start, I think, that went seven and two-thirds innings. So the Nationals are comfortable pushing him. He looked a lot better in this start. There was kind of a strange period mid-game where his velocity disappeared for a little bit, but there was something something having to do with a wet mound issue. Oh, and it was then, terrible out there. It was yeah, like ridiculous. Yeah. Conditions. Yeah, and then he talked to Mike Maddox, and they came up with a solution, and he was fine to go the full eight. So he he definitely looked a lot better. And I I think he's with the state of starting pitching right now. I think he's must own. Uh, yeah, that is someone I would drop Matt Harvey for. Um, and he did well against lefties yesterday, which has been his issue throughout his career. So that was a good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's Joe Ross. He's 51% owned. I'm just, I'm looking at some pitchers right now that are owned in like 70% of leagues or more. Jeremy Hellickson, drop for Joe Ross? Yes. Yep. Drew Pomeranz, drop for Joe Ross? If I had to. Yeah. Chris Tillman, 63% owned. Easily. Yep. Julio Tehran? No. No. Okay. You there, probably have yeah. a worse pitcher. You probably have a Jeremy Hellickson or a, or a, you know, 
one of those other guys. Yeah, exactly. Like there's someone you can draft for Joe Ross. Okay, Hunter Renfro, 48% owned. In his last nine games, he is batting 313 with a 405 on base and a 750 slugging. That's an 1155 OPS in nine games for Hunter Renfro. He's 48% owned. I would be more excited, but only two walks in his last seven games. I thought, you know, they, they talked about him not chasing pitches, better plate discipline. That lasted for like two games. But still, uh, Renfro with two doubles last night. Is Hunter Renfro under-owned at 48% owned? I don't think so. I think 48% is right about right. Yeah, with the state of outfields. I, I still feel like he's basically home run or bust, and I just don't have enough desperate enough need for home runs that I'm going to sacrifice in the other areas. Let's go back to somebody we talked about yesterday. Is Cameron Mabin under-owned? I went to pick him up, and he was actually owned in the league. I went to pick him up, and that was a five-outfielder league. Mabin is 28% owned. He is now hit three home runs. He hit another one yesterday. Cameron Mabin, 28%. Yeah, he's drastically under-owned. And I, I just pitched him as a somebody who needs to be added in Roto Leagues yesterday since he seems to profile as a high batting average guy and is getting back to that, and he's been great, better than ever with stolen bases. But uh, even in points leagues, he's actually going into yesterday's game, and obviously he homered yesterday. He he has outscored Justin Upton in points leagues. He's outscored Mark Trumbo, George Springer. I mean, this is a guy who was batting under 200 with no power a week ago, and he's he's outscored Puig. He's outscored Adam Jones. Uh, I think uh, I think Mabin, he may just be a hot hand play in points leagues, but with as much as he walks, maybe not. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing him being one of the top 36 or 40 outfielders, which is what he'd need to be to be starting in a head-to-head points league. I think he's probably just streamer, but yeah, I think he's must-own in Rota. All right, I'm going to go with a guy who's on the DL and might be back in less than a month. Third week of June, they're looking for... Wilson Ramos, who was the number three catcher in fantasy last year in both points and roto, he did not have a great second half, but it still wasn't bad. I mean, batted 279 with nine home runs. His first half was unbelievable. But anyway, Wilson Ramos is 31% owned, getting close to a rehab assignment. Again, they're looking at the third week in June. Is it too early to say that Wilson Ramos is is under-owned with, you know, how many people are on the DL right now? He's 31%. That's what makes him so hard to uh, stash right now is, you know, I we were talking to someone on on Twitter last night who was trying to figure out who he should drop, and he was asking if he should drop, I think Matt Shoemaker for Joe Ross because he has four guys on the DL that he can't consider dropping, and so that that's probably a situation where it's really hard to justify adding Wilson Ramos. But if you can, yeah, it's worth stashing. We team scam has him stashed. Just had him stashed since the draft. I've got him stashed in a couple places. It's yeah. a sixteen team league, uh, but on the subject of. Not feeling like there's nobody to drop because you have all these players on the DL. Um, somebody on Twitter asked if he could drop Gregory Polanco for Joe Ross. And I, I told him no, but mostly because Polanco doesn't sound like he's going to be on the DL much longer. Yeah, it's and tough. I didn't want, I didn't want him, I didn't want Polanco to come back and have this monster week and then like, yeah. I'm the I'm the reason he missed out on this high draft. That's ticket. that's a, that would be I think that would be absolutely insane dropping Polanco for Ross. Now Andrew well, McCutcheon, I they're fine. Like the thing is, <laughs> it's it's highly likely the person who drafted Polanco has made so many, um, so picked up so many outfielders who have gone on to great things that like he may it may just be a spare part for him at this point. I guess. and I feel like it's a spare part with value, but. 
making trades is hard and you know but I, I also think getting back to Wilson Ramos that like yeah he might be back in June and he's probably going to DH and that's helpful there's still a chance that it just takes him a month to get going yeah I, I, I going back to Joe Ross I don't want to I don't want to overreact it's not like he went all Barrios on us yesterday here I don't want to overreact to one really good start in terrible conditions uh, I mean, you know, like Barrios' first start. Right? It was, and it's for me, it's a little confirmation bias because I do like Joe Ross a lot, as we talked about yesterday. I think he has top twenty-five pitcher upside. I think it's just the fact that he's a pitcher. You know, if it was yeah. if it was a hitter who came up and went four for five with a home run or whatever, like we're okay, not all running I, bad. I, okay, I have, right, right. I have a lot of I have a lot of good hitters. Matt Adams is on this under-owned question mark list, and he is 17% owned, and he actually even acknowledged, like, I guess I didn't really, I mean, I thought of this, I should probably should have said it. What a great ballpark upgrade for him. Right now he's 7 for 19 with three home runs at SunTrust Park, where you can trust that the ball is going to hit the sun, and it has three times for Matt Adams, 17% owned. Yeah, I, the problem, as we've talked about with, Tommy Joseph and Justin Bohr, who have been two of the best hitters in baseball in the month of May. And yeah. it's hard to justify them being more than what, 55, 60% of Right, but he's 17%. Well, more. Justin Bohr has a 923 OPS. I Bohr. actually was looking at the box score today. He, he almost has the highest OPS on the Marlins, and that's including Marcelo Zuna's ridiculously hot start. Um, but like, in a world where those guys are 50% owned. Yeah. Matt Adams is probably underowned at 17%, but probably not. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not, he doesn't need to be. Uh, Justin Bohr is only 51% owned, even coming up a four hit game where he homered again for the fourth time in five games. He's batting better against lefties than righties. He has a good both individual strikeout rate, individual walk rate. He's among the batters striking the ball the hardest in all of baseball. I am I am full bore right now. Fat dudes <laughs> rake. Justin Bohr or Eric Cosmer? Oh hey, wait, are you serious? <laughs> That's in my notes. You're stealing my thunder here. I've been, I've been trolling Heath for like six months on Justin Bohr versus Eric Cosmer. I he believe has. Justin Bohr is a better baseball player than Eric Cosmer in the like way that Eric Cosmer doesn't fully maximize well, his I, obvious gifts. I mean, Chris was a Believing a in Bohr, Bohr, yeah, before <laughs> most of the rest of the world was, so he deserves credit for that. In terms of whether, like, I still can't imagine dropping Hosmer, but imagine it. it. I do think Bohr has more upside. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got thirty homer potential. He's got more than thirty homer potential. Um, Bohr. So, so what's the so you drop Hosmer for Bohr, Chris, and Scott wouldn't. That's kind of where. Um, yeah, I I think Hosmer is a very replaceable first baseman. Even if Bohr slows down, I just think Hosmer's per game production. His biggest asset is that he's like an Adam Jones, that he's there every day. And you have to know your league. I mean, if there are other player hitters who are like ninety percent owned, who people have gotten away with dropping because your league is of a certain shallowness. Yeah. Then yeah, I I I I discard Hosmer for the higher upside player, but there, I mean, I think a, a standard 12-team league Hosmer's must-own still. Yeah. Alright. Uh, moving on here. Jorge Bonifacio is 4% owned. Under-owned? Yeah. 
Yeah, I dropped a Yuli Gurriel for Bonifacio yesterday. Do that. Yeah, and then I didn't realize Gurriel homer too, but still. It's, it's a deeper league pickup. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like Adams when we say he's under-owned. I don't think... Uh, it's not. It's not fifty percent. Four percent owned though for your like four percent. That means he's available in some AL only teams, right, probably, and that's ridiculous. And yeah. he's homered four times in five games or something. Yeah, uh, three home runs in his last four games, I think, for Bonifacio, who's batting two sixty seven. Well, that's all he's going to do, and he's not even going to do it at the pace of a hundred run pro, I don't think. Okay, uh, two catchers: Jan Gomes twenty three percent, Mike Zanino ten percent. Zanino came uh, came back and homered yesterday. And in his first game since being recalled, Jan Gomes 23%, Mike Zanino 10%. Are they underowned? Jan Gomes is absolutely underowned. If you have a pulse and you're a catcher, you should be owned in higher than 23% of leagues. I can't make sense of it. This is a guy who had 20 home runs a couple of years ago, and he's been bad the last two years, but he's been very good this year. Gomes, yeah. Uh, it, so you'd rather have Gomes than Zanino? Mm-hmm. Yes. How about Avila or Gomes? Yeah, somebody asked me that on Twitter. Gomes. I would take Avila. I think there's much higher ceiling. Uh, He needs to get more consistent at bats, but I'd rather, rather than accept marginal production at the position, I'd uh, rather shoot for the stars. But see that this is, this is a guy that over two seasons hit 32 homers and and with a 285 batting average. I don't know if that's... That's marginal. At catcher? Yeah. I mean, what are, what are some of the replacement level catchers like Cameron Rupp? He's a good bet for 15 home runs and a bad plate discipline, kind of like Gomes is going to provide. I don't know. Jan Gomes was a top 12 catcher for sure, probably Gomes top 10. Walking. Okay. Barely top 12? I mean. I don't know if he was barely one top catcher 12. He was only 12 or owned. The 21 homer season, he was probably a lot higher than than just barely top 12. And he was better in Roto, too, because Gomes never you guys never enjoy walked. your Jan Gomes, I'm sticking with Alex Avila. Jan Gomes was the number seven, ca- number six catcher in points leagues in 2014, and I guarantee he was better in Roto because he had 24 walks. But wasn't 100. that the year he had the crazy high BABIP? Uh, it's possible. He ba- he only batted 278. I'm just saying what he was. 278, 21 homers, 74 RBIs. He's been terrible for two straight and, years, Gomes. Because he's showing he, some he's signs had... of life, do we think he's going to be the best possible version of himself again? Well, he's, he's also had injuries the last couple of years, yeah, right? He had but... a shoulder issue last year? I mean, I think Avila actually has more at-bats than him. Uh, We could check that. Yeah, well, Avila, is, is Victor Martinez back yet? Uh, because that's playing into Avila. Actually, he does. Gomes has more bats. Yeah. But neither has very many. Alright, look, there's, I guess there's some catchers out there for you. Would you rather have Mezzarocco or, or these guys? I'd rather have Mezzarocco, but it's not a big gap. Okay. Tuesday standouts. We already did Matt Harvey. Let's go to Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto is dealing with two blisters. He's had a blister on his middle finger since spring training, and he got a blister on his index finger last week. And he says that the blisters are not the cause of his struggles. And Cueto, it's not like he's been totally terrible. He had 19 swinging strikes at the Cubs yesterday, but he gave up three home runs. That's 11 home runs now in 64 innings, a 1.23 whip, a 4.64 ERA. Velocity down just a tick for Cueto. How concerned are you about him? You know, this is a buy low, sell high kind of day on Wednesdays. Is it an easy buy low on Johnny Cueto, or is it an avoid because of the blisters? I think it's an easy buy low on Johnny Cueto. Um, but the blisters! I'm, yeah. I'm scared of the blisters. I was actually working out a trade for Cueto where I'd give up a couple prospects in a dynasty league. So, you know, there's some keeper ramifications there. I need Cueto to be good 
now to make that trade worthwhile. And just the, the troubles we've seen for for uh, Rich Hill and Aaron Sanchez. And is there somebody else who's had the Taiwan list? Walker? Uh, okay. Aaron, yeah, he went on the DL. Uh, who else? Yeah, there's Josh been someone. Beckett. Josh Beckett, right? Yeah. Um, I'm spooked. Yeah, something going on here, people. Something going on. A lot of blisters. Moisturize, guys. Right? Yeah, who was the other guy with the blisters? Sanchez? Syndergaard had a blister. Oh, Rich Hill. Yeah, I mentioned him. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear that. DeGrom. Uh, let's see if he's okay. Rich Hill. Rich Hill, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gets a mention for every blister. Alright, so Chris isn't as worried. Scott is about Johnny Cueto. I guess my question is, do you feel like the blisters are the cause of the struggles, or do you think there's something else for Cueto? Well, Cueto's kind of indicated they are. Yeah. I guess it's part of it. I guess part of it's just a little bit of bad luck. It's mostly been home runs that have done him in, right? Yeah, the Babbitt's still pretty low. And like, here's the thing. I'm, I don't want, like, if you're buying low, okay, fine. If if it's actually low. But I I don't know that I'd want to pay for an ace and yeah. that ace be Cueto. Um, but that being said, I don't think I'm panicking if I'm the Cueto owner. The ERA for the year looks bad, but you look at the game log and like six of his 10 starts have been awesome. So. Yeah. Colorado start, of course, field is still driving that ERA up a little bit. Uh, so there has been a lot of encouraging stuff as well for Johnny Cueto. You can give me another standout if you like. You are not allowed to talk about Anthony Rendon, Edwin Encarnacion, Charlie Blackman, Michael Conforto. <laughs> uh, you, but anyone else is fair game because we're going to get to them in just a moment. Uh, let's talk about Matt Shoemaker. He yeah. had a very good start. What he was the, kinda... what was, uh, what was the answer to the question when somebody said, should I drop Shoemaker for Joe Ross? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Okay. Go ahead. I, I like Joe Ross and I, I feel like you have to figure out a different way to, uh, to add Joe Ross, um, than dropping a pitcher that I feel pretty comfortable relying on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, Splitter usage rate is always the the top line with him, and he's he was about thirty three percent last night, so that's a pretty good sign. He ran into trouble late. He came about a foot away from giving up a, a three run home run yeah. to lose the the lead late in the game, but he pitched very well overall. The splitter, six swinging strikes with it. I'm I'm in a place where I feel pretty comfortable with Matt Shoemaker right now. Okay, but you'd give him up for Cueto. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. Scott, anyone for you? I want to talk about Eugenio Suarez, who hit a home run off the bench last night, and that was his third home run in the last five games. I I feel like there's some confirmation bias happening, because we were all happening with him, because we were all pretty dismissive of him. I guess it was just yesterday, um, when in, during the Fool Juice segment. And he hasn't I mean, if he did slow down for a stretch there, he's obviously picked it that back up again. Three home runs in his last five games. He is now out-homered Travis Shaw, who can do no wrong on this podcast. Well, <laughs> this year. not on this podcast today. <laughs> Anyone with Heath on it. And uh, his walk rate is way up from last year. His strikeout rate is substantially down. There's nothing alarming about his BABIP, especially when you consider the fact he has a 25% line drive rate. It might actually, the Babbitt might actually be low relative to that. And I don't, other than just, I came into the year with the idea that Eugenio Suarez isn't really that good. I see no reason 
looking at the underlying numbers to be like, yeah, he's not that good. Maybe, I mean, guy in his mid-20s, maybe he's just breaking out. For me, it's just all about the position. I I have trouble seeing where he fits in at third base out inside the top. Yeah, I think he's in my top 20 now. But what I'm saying is, and I understand that, I would rather have him than Travis Shaw, I think. He's been better this year than Travis Shaw in a way that looks pretty sustainable. Even more sustainable than Travis Shaw looks, frankly. Mm. Yeah. Eugenio Suarez is the number five third baseman in fantasy right now. He's actually number four in Roto, just ahead of Chris Bryant. So he Does would... he get ahead of Travis Shaw? Yeah, he's ahead of Travis Shaw. Um, not, not by a ton, but... But yeah. he is. He's uh he's 14, 13 and a half fantasy points ahead of Travis Shaw. They're fifth and sixth in points. They're fourth and seventh in Roto. Would you rather have Suarez or Joey Gallo? Gallo. I'd rather have Suarez, but I'm I've never been the high guy on Gallo. Would you rather have Suarez or Anthony Rendon? Rendon. Rendon All right. Well, we'll talk about Anthony Rendon and his double dongs in a moment. Uh, the big news: Jamison Tyone threw 25 pitches in a bullpen session. There is no timetable for his return. I did pick up Tyone last night as a DL stash. I only have somehow one guy on the DL in the podcast league. If there's another one, maybe I drop Tyone. But for now, if you can if you can stash him, you know, not a bad idea. We just don't we don't know yet with Tyone. Robinson Cano is off the DL, but you got to keep an eye on this because he's playing with a thigh injury. He's obviously not 100. percent Like just leave him on the freaking DL till he gets 100. percent I don't get it unless it's going to take a while. Which would be a bad thing, but keep an eye on, on Cano. Uh, I mean, he, he hit a ground ball yesterday to short and didn't even run it out. I think that was largely because it was so wet on the field, but he's, he's playing through some pain. Boston called up Sam Travis to play first base against lefties. We are interested, not interested, fairly no. interested? No? He put in a $4 bid on him in our AL only 12 team. Roto League, and I had a one dollar bid in on him, so I didn't get him. But obviously, that's the depth we're looking at there. That is damning with extremely faint praise. Yeah. Okay, that's Sam Travis, Boston Red Sox first baseman, who will spell Mitch Moreland. The Padres called up a pitching prospect. Whew. Chris, you want to try to pronounce this one? I'm gonna say Denelson Lemay. Sure, that works for me. Spelled L-A-M-E-T. I don't know how to pronounce it. I forgot to look that up, and I apologize. Are we interested in Denelson LeMay? He has a lot of strikeouts, has a lot of walks. Seems like a pretty middling pitching prospect for a bad team. So, again, I'm I'm thinking this is a league-specific, in this case, that league being NL, pickup. But I'll, I'll keep an eye on him. Jose Bautista played third base yesterday. That's his third appearance at third base. Uh, and second in three games, I believe. He had one in April. Now, uh, and then made a, like a defensive replacement yeah. a couple days ago. Well, this was actually a start. This was his first start yeah. of the year at third base. So that is, that is growing trust. Donaldson's working his way back. So the way Chris put it when we were talking before the podcast was it's kind of a race against the clock to get those final two appearances there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but, it, not, but it would make a big difference. I, I mean, third base is deep, but. I think you'd be more likely to play Bautista there than outfield. I, I feel like it's just like a, it's just like a flexibility thing. I don't think it changes his value much. It just makes it easier to get him in the lineup. And he's been awesome, uh, over the last three weeks or so. Yeah. 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 He's Bautista looked like back. Jose Bautista. Strikeouts and down, walks up. John Gray could be back in three weeks. Trevor Story off the DL, but he didn't start yesterday. Any reason for this? 
Trevor Story? Um, not that I know yeah. of. I, it wouldn't be the first time they've given a guy uh, a day off the bench before putting him back in the lineup. Okay. They being the baseball world, not the Rockies specifically. So, to, speaking about that, Bautista maybe getting third base eligibility. Chris pointed out before the show, uh, Anthony Rizzo is the number eight first baseman in points leagues, number 18 in Roto. You know, the plate discipline really helps him in points. Number eight in points, number 18 in Roto. Rizzo would be number three at second base in points, number 12 in Roto as of today. So he's one appearance away from gaining second base eligibility. Carlos Santana started in right field again. So is he one more for him? I think that was it. That was it. Yeah. Oh, he's outfield eligible? Eligible, which makes him makes him go from a borderline starting first baseman to a very solid starting outfielder. All right, Carlos Santana. And Dallas Keuchel still plans on pitching Saturday. And if hey, you say, hey, I want to go see Dallas Keuchel pitch, I would love to go see Dallas Keuchel pitch. Well, I would use SeatGeek for that. Every time I go to a game or a concert, if I want to go to a comedy show, if I want to go to theater, I'm using my SeatGeek app. It's on my phone. I look for tickets. It does the price comparison for me, finds me the best deals, the best values, and shows me very easily these are the seats you want to buy. You type in an event, and with SeatGeek, you're going to see a whole bunch of green dots on the screen. The greener the dot and the bigger the dot, the better the value. You also see some red dots. Avoid those. Those are bad values. It's a really cool feature on SeatGeek that you're not going to get at other places. And with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you're buying and you're selling tickets in just two taps. And all the tickets that you purchase are fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I'm not sure I got to the best part yet. The best part is you can save some money. With the SeatGeek app. Download that SeatGeek app right now and use our promo code FANTASY. When you do that, you're going to get a $10 rebate, $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. This is the best way to get your bang for your buck when you're looking for tickets. Use SeatGeek, everybody. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Double dongs and triple steals. Anthony Rendon went yard twice yesterday. He had a three-homer game. Uh, about three weeks ago, in between those two games, yesterday's in between the five homers over two games, Rendon batted just two forty six with two home runs and eight RBIs, but he had fourteen walks to eleven strikeouts and four doubles and one triple. He had an eight fifty one OPS. A lot of that was a three ninety four on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I saw an email come in today that was like, Rendon's been terrible other than those two games. And yes, been. I actually yeah. went through the trouble of calculating what he's been this year, aside from those two games. He take those two monster games out, the record-setting three-homer game, and then this one, and uh, he's hit 234 with two home runs, 13 RBI, and a 697 OPS this year. But, and you were probably going somewhere with this, Adam, so I'm going to let you finish your thoughts. No, I was just saying. I, I, I mean, yeah, he has struggled, but I think. You look at the games in between the three homers and last night's two-homer game, and Rendon, 14 walks, 11 strikeouts, four doubles, two homers. I mean, you feel yeah. like he'd, he'd hit for a better batting average than 246. It I'll just fine. I'll just interject here and say that I, I don't think it makes much sense to take two games out. Like, Yeah, that's not exactly how it works. Is is Yeah, like you get the, the, the value for that. You, the, those games count. I'm right. fine if you want to take one homer away because he hit it off a pitcher, <laughs> but or position a, a player, position yeah, player. I have a position player. Sorry, yeah. but yeah, I mean, 
it's it's impossible to gauge when any player is going to put up his production and you just you have to when you're assessing players for the long term you just have to like you assess them based on their overall production and if you chop it up like that i mean it it's not always going to be bunched to this extreme like it has for Rendon this year and it I, you know it's not going to be this way rest of season. I think his numbers are where you wanted them to be more or less coming into the year, and I think we can just be satisfied with that. And and as we saw last season when he kind of disappointed for a long stretch, but all the peripherals were good, he ended up being pretty much the guy we hoped he would be. That's kind of how I view it now. It's just that the sequencing might be weird, and that might be throwing you off, but the overall production is what it is. I would have a real tough time with this because I, I do think that even though we talked so glowingly of Jake Lamb yesterday and even though he was awesome before he hurt his hand last year, that was like 95 games, uh, and I guess I'm always the high guy on Jake Lamb, the fact that he really can't hit lefties has made me you know, put him in the future by, you know, we were going to do buy low, sell high, uh, in the sell high section. But I, I don't know that I would sell him for Anthony Rendon. If somebody offered me Rendon for Lamb, maybe it's because I just think I could get more. You know, I was having, yeah, I, can see that. I was having this conversation with a couple people on Twitter last night, and, and I agree with the, the general gist of what they were saying, which is that, like, when we do the, like, Anthony Rendon or Jake Lamb, like, in a trade, who would ever, why would anybody ever do that trade? I tried two weeks, two, three weeks ago to trade Lamb straight up for Bregman. It was turned down, and now I'm kind of happy about that. But <laughs> I, you're right. I mean, position to position doesn't happen that often. But last night or yesterday afternoon, I, I traded Danny Salazar for Masahiro Tanaka. That was actually proposed to me. So it, it happens. Like, Yeah, but it just – like specifically with Rendon and Lamb, like with Bregman, I have him eight spots lower than Jake Lamb at this point. So that that's a much different case. But Rendon and Lamb, I have them one spot apart in the rankings. And it's just like – Whoever's better rest of season, it's kind of a coin flip. Okay. You're leaving so much of your team's future up to just pure chance. But well, the fact that you have them one spot apart is probably is important to note. I don't know that everybody would would guess that. You know, uh, I guess Heath probably has the same. Yeah, maybe. but but you guys are yeah. fantasy analysts. I'm saying the general public. I don't know that they would yeah. equate Rendon and Lamb. I mean, we do those exercises, would you rather have this player or this player, would you trade this player for this player, however you want to word it, to basically give the audience an idea of these players' relative Mm -hmm. value. I mean, no, it's not often you're going to trade a singular player at one position for a singular player at that other position, but any any specific trade scenario we throw out there is not one you're going to be able to make because a, you have to have the player on one side and b, the person with the player on the other side would have to agree to it. Sure. And that's, it's just so, like the, the goal isn't to give you specific trades to propose. It's to help you gauge values of players. All right, let's go to our next double donger. Edwin Encarnacion. All right. Thanks for trading him, Scott, in the scam league. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he still has nine strikeouts in his last six games, but I don't know. It looks like maybe he's coming around. What do you hey, think? He's probably. I mean, we didn't trade him with the idea that we think he's bad and we're dumping him on somebody, right? So correct, like, correct. Just yeah. because he happened to hit two home runs the second game after we trade him, I don't. I don't think that really changes anything. Um, those strikeouts are concerning, and at 34 years old, you could see how this is going to be the beginning of the end for Encarnacion. But I'll still project him to hit. 30 plus homers this year. 
Charlie Blackman homered twice. He is now the number three outfielder in fantasy. I'm not going to lie. I would like to see. I'm not going to nitpick here. He's got an amazing batting average. Uh, th- uh, three, what is it, 325? Uh, yeah, with 11 home runs. I wish there were a few more steals in there. I thought the steals would go up after he played uh, last year with some leg injuries. But Charlie Blackman, number three outfielder in fantasy, guys. Anything to say there? He's awesome. Can't steal uh, after you hit a home run. <laughs> he's hitting too many home runs. I mean, no, seriously. Yeah, he's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got 34 singles and 28 extra base hits. He just hasn't had that many opportunities to steal bases. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, all right, let's go to our next guy, a triple steals guy, Jonathan VR. Would you believe Jonathan VR is the number 10 shortstop in points leagues and number six in Roto right now? I'm going to try to look up where he was yesterday before he stole three bases and give him 12 on the year. But VR is still hitting 220 with five home runs, terrible plate discipline, 17 walks, 57 strikeouts for VR. Only seven doubles. And somehow, in that lineup, only 22 runs scored for Jonathan VR. But, yeah, he's he's number six in Roto. He's number ten in points at shortstop. Uh, what do you think? much to be good at shortstop. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's fair to say he's not going to be as good as he was last year. But as long as he doesn't lose his job, I do think he's going to be and must start. And you were giving me a lot of reasons to believe things are going to get better for him. Uh, the plate discipline's actually improved in May. Uh, 10%, 10% walk rate, 25% strikeout rate. You'll live with that. He's getting on base. And the fact that he only has 22 runs in that lineup, I think that's going to get better. Okay. He's well behind last year's steals pace, even with the 12. But uh, Craig Council has been encouraging him to be aggressive on the bases again, like he was last year. So hopefully that rate... Not necessarily the rate is in like success rate, but the rate is in pace of steals improves. He's only been caught three times. That, you know, that's how you know Jonathan VR is not running. <laughs> there you go. All right, so uh, that's Jonathan VR and Michael Conforto homer twice, which will bring us to our rest of season rankings. Would you rather do a little rest of season rankings or a little buy low, sell high right now? Uh, let's do rest of season. Okay, let's do this kind of quicker than let's do this a little quickly here because I've taken too long. Uh, Michael Conforto who is now the number five outfielder in both points and Roto, 333 batting average, 13 dingers. Uh, Michael Conforto or Giancarlo Stanton? Stanton still. But I need to consider moving Conforto very close to my top 15 outfielders at this point. Um, he's, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with. All of the, the that sentiment there. I, ha- I have him 18th before yesterday's game. He has been on kind of a strikeout binge lately, so he's almost caught up to Stanton in strikeouts. And, you know, the pure power hitter, you still trust Stanton to be better at that than Conforto. Conforto is really impressive. He has eight yeah. opposite field home runs this season already. Yep. And he's hitting 278 with three home runs in 18 at-bats, only 18 at-bats against lefties. That's a big one there. Now, the Mets have the fifth, sixth fewest at bats against lefties. The Marlins have the tenth fewest at bats against lefties. It's actually pretty significant in this argument because Stanton is an absolute lefty destroyer. He hasn't faced all that many this year. Um, but I don't know. I guess with Conforto, like, do you see him as a sell high or do you see him as a hold? I see him. I'm like, he's going to get worse than the pace he's on. Yes. So in a very technical sense, I guess he's sell high. But what I think you could realistically get for him I think you're better off holding because it's hard to 
it's hard to get a top 20 outfielder, and I, I think he is that. I, I He's probably like a 275 hitter the rest of the way, but uh, he's that he's still going to be top 20. Okay. Rick Porcello or Irvin Santana, rest of season? I I We were talking about this before the show. I can't make sense of Irvin Santana. Like, he's getting a lot of weak contact, and that's a really big deal. And this started late last, you know, in July of last season when his big run really started. And his strikeout rate is probably better than his K per nine would indicate because he allows so few base runners so far. His strikeout rate's like 19%. It's a little below average, but his K per nine makes him look like he's not a strikeout guy at all. Uh, but I'm still taking Rick Porcello. I know what Rick Porcello does well. Uh-huh. I'm still not 100% sure how Irvin Santana's pulling all this off. There's regression coming, and it's probably yeah. regression to like a mid to high 3Z RA pitcher where it's someone that you still feel confident starting every week. The Twins defense has been really good this season. Miguel Sano has actually been, uh, by the numbers, a very good defensive third baseman, which is a big surprise. Mm. Uh, but I'll still take Irvin Santana. This is like, this is the fourth worst the fifth worst Babbitt pitcher in Porcello versus the best Babbitt pitcher <laughs> this year. And, and what there is a hundred point difference? Oh no, two hundred. Irvin Santana's Babbitt is one thirty six so far. He half of his starts he's allowed two hits or fewer, and then two others he's allowed three hits. That's like that obviously can't last, but it's last two months, which is longer than I would ever expect it to last. So like I, I think in this pitching environment, he's obviously must own, must start, all of that. But I, I'm gonna trust Porcello. Uh, to the corrections going to when both of these guys correct, it's going to put Porcello ahead. In would, the end. would you go Marco Estrada or or, or Irvin Santana? I have Estrada ahead yep. of him and closing in on Porcello actually. Yeah, same. Okay. I Estrada has the soft contact thing, but he's also getting a ton of strikeouts this year. Well, Irvin Santana is not the number one starting pitcher in fantasy. He's number two in points. He's number three in roto. He is behind Clayton Kershaw, who has, I think, a 2.01 ERA now. So it's almost, almost back to normal for Kershaw. Still a little more improvement to go. This is a bad season for Clayton Kershaw. I know. Uh, would you rather have Clayton? That's not actually. That's kind of a joke, but he has actually been like a little bit worse yeah. this season, yeah. which is stupid. But with that said, it's kind of important because you are val- you are talking about one of the most, if not the most, valuable player in fantasy. Would you rather have Clayton Kershaw or anybody not named Mike Trout? Uh, you could probably throw Paul Goldschmidt in that group, maybe Mookie Betts, but it's the Harper. Yeah, Brett Harper. But it, it's it's close. I don't know that I would. I don't know. I, I Trout. Yeah, I'd take Trout over Kershaw, but otherwise, I don't. I don't. I think I'd rather, like, I know I need a pitcher more than anything else in basically every league, so I can't imagine giving up Kershaw. Yeah, there's still that, that group of hitters, though, that are so much better than everyone. Yeah. It's tough, it's a tough call, but Kershaw, I kind of feel like if I were drafting today, Kershaw would be my second overall pick behind Trout. I also can't completely forget about the back injury that sidelined him for so much last year. You know, I, I wonder if that's just sort of lurking in the background. I don't know. I'll never know. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess I'd take him over Harper for sure. Cause if you're going to talk, if you're going to compare injury risks, there's no comparison. The thing about Kershaw, maybe this adds to the injury risk, but like not only are the percentages just off the charts amazing. 
the Dodgers let him pitch as deep as he wants, basically. So he like seven innings is the standard for him. He'll he'll throw a you know nine inning start in there, an eight inning start in there, like. He went nine innings yesterday. Yeah. yeah. How many pitches did he throw? Uh, only 104 because he's <laughs> that's amazing, ridiculous machine. And he, he was what I was saying earlier about him being worse. He was um, his slider wasn't very good early in the season. The first like six or seven starts, and he has seemed to figure that out. Yeah. All right. It's it's certainly it's understandable. And honestly, if somebody traded Mike Trout for Clayton Kershaw, grade that trade. Give up Trout, get Kershaw. C minus. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. No, but it's not terrible by any means. It's not, not bad. getting. It's not getting vetoed. Yeah. All right, last one: Masahiro Tanaka or Lance Lynn, who dueled with Kershaw to eight innings of one run ball, two walks, two hits, and yeah, ten Ks. I can't believe they let him in as long as they did. He threw 123 pitches yesterday. He walked Clayton Kershaw on four pitches at as his second to last batter, I believe, and he still stayed in for the next batter. Here's here's what's interesting about Lance Lynn to me is like he's obviously been very reliable at a time when it's hard to find any reliability at starting pitcher. He has like a 250ish ERA now. Yep. His FIP is yep. 470. So high. The walks are high. The home the walks are high in a way they've always been high. The home run rate is is way up though and uh just peripherally he doesn't look like he should be as good as he is. So high. So high, huh? On Lance Lynn, so I used, did you mention high. the 203 BABIP? Yep. Okay. But I mean, this is a guy in his last two healthy seasons, Lance Lynn had a 274 ERA and a 303 ERA. Yep, with high whips both times mm-hmm. and uh He's just not pitching as well right now. And there's still pretty significant injury risk coming off Tommy John surgery. He just threw 123 pitches. pitches. I would, tr- I would, I would get on the phone right now. I'd pick up the red phone and start calling. You guys would take Tanaka over Lance Lynn? Yes, very easy. Yeah, yeah, I would. All right. Uh, okay then. I think it's time to talk buy low and sell high. Good. Uh, I wonder if we should read these emails I'll- first. I don't know. You're the host. Right? I, it's such a such a burden sometimes. Okay, I'm going to read these emails. They're trade-related. Email of the day, from number one, is from James. A couple weeks ago, I thought I made a great sell-high, buy-low trade by trading Alex Wood for Masahiro Tanaka. Now everyone seems to be buying Wood, and I feel like I screwed up. I don't know if he did, by the way. But what are some ways to tell the difference between a legit breakout and a sell-high candidate? Listen to us. No, we probably would have said to do this, so maybe not. Um, and I, I don't think it's, I still don't think it's a big mistake. No, mm-hmm. it's not at all. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it today. I, uh, I, you wouldn't? I'd rather have Wood. Yeah, I'd rather but, have I mean, Tanaka. What's changed primarily is that Wood has job security he didn't have before. I get it, and that those are kinds of things that are hard to predict. Um, and timing, timing is a big part of. This game that, uh, isn't always fully appreciated. But you should look at peripherals. You should look at, yeah, uh, to answer like the broader we, question. Yeah, like we, like we talked about with Lance Lynn. The ERA is really pretty, but there are big red flags. Uh, there are four things I care about with pitchers, basically. In, in this order, probably. How, uh, how many, how often are they striking out batters? How often are they walking batters? How often are they giving up home runs? And how deep are they pitching into games? And those first three things are just FIP. Yes, they are. Or Sierra or XFIP or yeah. just any, 
if if someone has a two five ERA and a two nine FIP, that's not concerning. Or a three three FIP, like that's still someone who's going to be a pretty good pitcher. And FIP's not perfect. There are Marco Estrada, someone who routinely outperforms his FIP. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's like a one and a half run difference between their FIP and their ER, that's when you start looking at it and say this guy needs to pitch better to even sustain his current production there's going to be a regression okay you know the day number two is govs from michigan he says i've been listening for two years i have to say i kind of agree with the emailer from last week who said you dudes are too cautious actually govs what he said was y'all play scared and uh govs continues as they like to say in major league two you guys have no marbles Prove to me that you do. Name a player or two that you would take a risk on that most typical fantasy players would call you crazy for acquiring. Thanks for entertaining me in the shower every morning. You know what? I like winning in fantasy baseball. And you don't win in fantasy baseball by buying into these hot takes. This is not... This is not what this program is about. You can go listen to something. Hey, else Scott, you ta- hot take. you're taking That's it too not personally. That's what fantasy baseball is all about. We're here to help you win your championship, sir. You're taking it too personally, Scott. Can I? Can I? Can I uh, throw out one player that that I know Scott will drastically disagree on? Just to just to answer the actual question, mm-hmm. I would risk it all on on a guy like Billy Hamilton. Scott and I had this argument in the office the other day. I think Billy Hamilton is exceptionally valuable. Within a specific team context, I'm talking about a roto team where you're middle of the pack in stolen bases. I would buy Billy Hamilton for a very high price because that's a guy I know can take me from seventh place to first place in stolen bases. Mm-hmm. One stinking category. It's a that's big deal. Points, but it's you're a, having to give up. Deal. You, you were saying you'd give up like Nelson Cruz for him. How I wouldn't give up saying? Nelson Cruz. I thought you. I thought you moved Hamilton ahead of Cruz. I have Nelson rankings. Cruz ahead. Okay. That. One spot ahead. I have George Springer ahead of him or behind him. I would trade George Springer for Billy Hamilton. Well, that's not exactly a hot take, considering Springer sucks so far. Miguel Sano, um, Eric Thames, Ryan Braun. Yeah, yeah, but no, Springer, I, I, hot I, I wouldn't do it. Springer was a top eight outfielder last year, so I think that's a fairly hot take. Well, hot takes are all about the present, Adam. No, because we're not dumb. Like we don't live in a world where we just look at a guy's present day value. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm serious. You, you're not it just. Doesn't, it doesn't sound to somebody whose ears are trained or are finely attuned to hot takes. Saying I am giving up George Springer for this guy doesn't sound particularly. Why, why are we catering to an audience that is that whose ears is, are tuned to hot takes? Like that's, that's not what, what we're about. Make it sound like. That's not what we're about here. We're not trying to do that. I know. That's what I was saying. But this guy's not, but this guy's not saying that. He thinks that we, he wants to know who we would take a risk on. I will give you a name of somebody I would take a risk on. I wanted to talk about this guy for a while now. We haven't spoken about it, but Greg Bird was legitimately injured. This was not just a situation where Greg Bird went on the DL so they could take him out of the lineup. He has, he just began baseball activities. He has a, he had a serious bone bruise on his ankle. Greg Bird is 51% owned. I still believe in Greg Bird, and when he comes back, he will finally be healthy, and I think he will be much better. I would take a shot on Greg Bird. But you can't I would, even I get would, Justin Bohr on your roster I would right do, now. I would do the same thing with someone who's been a massive disappointment and who I didn't like coming into the season at his price, and that's Kyle Schwarber. I think Kyle Schwarber, I said it yesterday, he had a 470-foot bomb yesterday. I think he's about to get red hot, and when the cost is a top 100 pick, for an outfield only guy who's got red flags about his 
platoon issues and playing time, although that hasn't actually been an issue. I don't like the cost, but if the cost is, you know, we'll we'll segue right into the buy low, You're sell high. You're just giving segment. buy low candidates. You're Kyle, not really. <laughs> but I think people are very very frustrated with Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I've sure. seen people say that they've dropped Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I saw someone say they wanted to drop Kyle, Schwa- Kyle Schwarber for Ian Happ. That's nuts. Yeah, and, and no, but here's the thing, Scott. I mean, you say I can't even get Justin Bohr on my roster. Look at our Roto League. Like, Justin Bohr is owned. Logan Morrison is owned. Greg Bird is yeah. owned. All these guys are owned. If you, play, if you play in a league of certain depth, then anybody's worth rostering who you have a hunch about. It's not just but, worth rostering. It's like I want to acquire Greg Bird. I I have a hunch that the injury was the big concern, the big problem there, and I think he's I think he's going to be good. I have a hunch. But you know, you know how, like— I am about this sort of thing. Like, I I think the waiver wire is a perfect place to leave players who you don't think your competition cares about. Like that that is that is, I'm all about roster maximization in that way. So I want to keep Bird unowned until the very moment where I don't think I can afford to keep him unowned. I'm, I'm referring to the leagues in, close I'm, to that. I'm referring to the leagues in which he's owned. You know, in the deeper leagues, so some you know, and it's not like super deep. He's 51 percent owned. But as much as Boar, like I'll I'll be the guy taking the chance on Boar if if we're gonna play that game. Fine, I'm sure a lot of people are buying into Justin Boar, but we're also talking about Greg Bird, who's batting like 100. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm trying to, I don't know, I'm trying, I'm not trying to, I I don't know what this guy's looking for exactly. I thought I don't I, is either. I thought that I think, was. I think he's just used to hearing hot takes because that's what that's all. That's all. It's a hot take culture, baby. This is the best shower this guy has ever had in his life, by the way. Listening to uh, listening to this, he listens to us in the shower in case people have forgotten. Okay, buy low, sell high. He's going to ask you about Kyle Schwarber. Uh, we so Chris likes him as a buy low. Let me just throw names at you real quick, and you tell me are they buy low candidates? Brian Dozier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know that he's really underperforming my expectations because I had him as a bus coming in. So, um, But, yeah, I, I guess he's more of a buy low than a sell. Okay. Michael Franco, who sat yesterday for being bad at baseball. <sighs> yes, if it's a deep enough league where your third base situation isn't already figured out, then I would say he's a buy low. Yeah, I, I don't view him as a starting third baseman at this point moving forward. That's Michael Franco. All right. How about Alex Bregman? Same. Yes. I've moved him down to 19th. I, I'm just, I'm not sure what he's going to be special at, at a position where a lot of guys are special. Mm. Hopefully, uh, plate discipline. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully he'll be Kyle Seagury once he busts out. This is but. Alex Bregman we're talking about. Chris, yeah, is there a, I'm pretty low at this point. Chris, is there a better garbage song than special? Uh, trying to think no. of, uh. The answer's no. Okay. It's the best one. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Rugnet Odor. Yes. Yes, definitely by low. Rugnet Odor, I looked at all the batted ball data, very similar to last year, except a lot of pop-ups. A lot of pop-ups this year. And Stop that, that'll happen when you're, when your swing's off. Yeah. Uh, he popped up the ball a lot in 2015 when he was awesome too, so. You want a hot take? Rugnet Odor, he stinks. 
<laughs> I don't know what happened, where this hot take thing came from. You know, Scott didn't like the the y'all play scared email last week. He didn't like it. It's gotten under his I, skin. I play to win. Scott's like I could understand if I was finishing laughing. fifth every year and oh, I didn't try hard enough. Yes, I was playing scared, but that's not the way it goes. No, but the guy was. I mean, you gotta understand these these emailers for the most part. They really like us, and they were just they're just kind of joshing around with us. So, yeah. you know, Justin just, right back. Let's be nice. Out of here with your uh playing scared talk. Okay. Um the, who Oh yeah. Uh yeah, I'm done with buy lows. You tell me. Buy low and then we'll finish with sell high. Does James Paxton count being hurt? Nope. No. No. Terrible. I struggle. I always struggle with the perception thing. Um Scott, why don't you go? Uh, about who? Bylos. Talking about Bylos. By oh oh, you want suggestions of Bylos? Yes, Jeff Samarja. Sure. I'll call, it, I'll call that a buy high. Okay, just because his last start was good. It was it only his last start? His overall number? Well, he. Well, it depends what you're talking. about. It doesn't matter. He has, he's he's he a buy. Had, Success in terms of run prevention, his numbers look pretty bad. Right. Okay. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. Splitting but hairs. Yeah. Strikeout walk rate is ridiculous. And, and there are real reasons to believe in that because he's ditched his cutter, throwing the slider more. The cutter's been just a failed Don Cooper experiment. Yes. Oh boy, I just thirty-six in my starting pitcher rankings. I'm so nervous about some of the guys we've talked about today, and we've told people to buy into, and I just I'm so nervous that in a month. We're gonna look stupid, like the Cameron Maven and Samarja. Don't, don't play scared, Adam. I, Who's scared now? That's mm. that is playing. Safe. I look at Jeff Samarja kind of like I look at Nicholas Castellanos. Um, a lot of the underlying data says that he should be very good moving forward, and the results just haven't been there yet. And if you if you believe in the things that we think we know about baseball, hitting the ball hard is good. Getting a lot of strikeouts and avoiding walks is very good. Mm-hmm. You should buy into these guys. I know, but how many times? Like, this is what Samarja does. He's a streaky pitcher. He's got he had like four great months last year or three great months. Yeah, but that I'm was but you. he was a very different type of pitcher. I he wasn't God. striking people out like this. His walk rate was higher. He Don Cooper very, screwed him up. Man. And right? Don Cooper's a very good pitching coach. Yes. But, but it doesn't work for everybody. He He's all about the cutter that made Esteban Luiza something special back in 2003, and he thinks every pitcher needs to throw it, and every pitcher doesn't need to throw it. The all year right. before Samarja went to the White Sox, we thought he was an honest-to-goodness ace. He had a 299 ERA, a 107 whip, about a strikeout per inning, 220 innings. And pump breaks. Pump I didn't breaks. think it was an ace. Okay. Yeah, well, it's, kind of, it's kind of my point, though. The baseball world as a whole did because that season was so good. And then he hooked up with Cooper and started throwing the crappy cutter, and now he's ditched it, and he's good again. All right, so high candidates, guys? Irvin Santana is the, the most obvious one. Mm-mm, can't use him. Sorry. We've already talked about him. Yeah. Gotta I make something think, new. Um, Dallas Keuchel. Oh, people, people are talking about this guy like he's a surefire number one top five starting pitcher, and he's not that. He is eight. though. I don't. I don't have a mate. I <laughs> have right. a 16. This is, so this I, is, Chris is just speaking for himself, just to be clear. Yeah. Like I've moved Zach Greinke well ahead of Dallas Keuchel. No. I what Zach Greinke's doing more. I still have I, yeah, Jake Arrieta. I still have Keuchel. Jake Arietta over Dallas Keuchel. 
I, people are talking about this guy. Many people are, are saying that Dallas Keuchel is a top five <laughs> starting pitcher, and I just don't see it. I can't erase what happened last season. I can't erase the peripherals that say that he's a low to mid three ZRA guy who doesn't strike anybody out, really. He's a, he's a very middling starting pitcher when it comes to strikeouts. I know what he does well, but I don't think he's a top five starting pitcher. And this probably applies more to Roto than head to head. Head to head, the fact that he is probably going to throw 220 innings makes a big difference. Yeah. No, that's, it's fine. I mean, the, the names you said, whether or not I disagree or agree, that you're talking about great pitchers that we still value as aces. So that's fine. I think it's really a matter of which tier do you put him in. You put him 16th, that feels a little yeah. low to me, but. I'm, I know. Yeah, I know everybody, everybody loves Dallas Keuchel. No, he's a terrific pitcher. So I would sell high on Michael Pineda. Okay, okay, there we go. Scott? I have a hard time selling high on pitchers. I mean, Santana would be so high that it'd be worth it. Uh, Pineda, I just don't know that would it be enough for me. Like, even just for the immediacy of how helpful Pineda's been, like, I don't know that I could get enough for him to justify giving that up. It's worth exploring, of course. Um, there are a lot of sell high outfielders, I think. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of need in the outfields. We talked about Brett Gardner yesterday. We talked about Miguel Sano yesterday, who's also third base eligible, of course. Um, I would add Aaron Altair to that list. Exciting pickup a couple weeks ago. And, uh, I was right there picking him up with everybody else, because I think anytime somebody shows superlative production, it's worth pursuing. But now that you have him, and he has established some value. I think the best way to cash in would trade him because nothing he's doing in terms of like fly ball rate or hard hit contact percentage suggests he's the power hitter he's on pace to be right now. All right. How about this? Aaron Altair. You have Francisco Lindor. You go and offer him for Trey Turner right now. I'm doing that. What? Go both ways. Buy low and sell high. The guy who doesn't have Francisco Lindor probably hasn't realized that Francisco Lindor hasn't been good for the last three and a half weeks. He's probably fed up with Trey Turner, who he invested potentially a first-round pick in. I think that's a beautiful move. Do it. See, we did Lindor on Fooled You yesterday. Remember, he homered yesterday, first of all. But, but no, he hadn't been good for that 19 games, I think it was. But he still had a great on-base percentage compared to his batting average. He still was drawing a lot of walks. So I'm thinking maybe that was just a cold streak. Well, Team Crease, you may remember, was on the opposite side of Team Scam on this. They they wanted Lindor to be a fool Jew. I I actually moved Turner behind Lindor in my shortstop mm-hmm. rankings rest of the season yesterday, so I, I can't get behind that move. I have like Lindor is a stud, even if he's not who he was the first month. Like, there's no doubt he's a stud player. And Turner, I think he's a stud, but the jury's out. And um. You know, plate discipline's been awful this year. Sophomore slump. Yeah, I fine. I would take Turner over Lindor. All I right. would make that trade right now. I think you could easily make that trade, and maybe you do that if you need steals because he does. He is stealing bases. I'm going to end it with one name here. I think Matt Weeters is a good sell high. I think he's like a 240 hitter, and he's batting 285. He actually has not been good at all lately. So, but overall, Weeders is like the number five or six catcher. He's basically had one great week and hasn't been that good. So, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to sell catchers, but that's a guy. Weeders for Lucroy. Give it a shot. See if it works. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. There was like... 
50,000 things that we did not get to. Danny Duffy was awesome. I'm going to put Danny Duffy in tomorrow's notes because he made a mechanical adjustment. Velocity's up. We should talk about that. He'll be in tomorrow's show. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Thursday.